All right. Was there ever a time in your life that you were closer to God than you are right now? Was there ever a point in your life that you desired His Word more than you do right now? Was there a point when you uh, looked forward to the gatherings more than you do now? Was there, was there ever a time when you had more boldness, when you shared Jesus with the people that you worked with, the people that you live with, and, and you didn't care how they looked at you? You didn't care if they, if they said something, you know, to put you down? Was there ever a time when, when we would worship the Lord together and you felt something, but, but maybe now as we worship, you don't, you're not feeling anything? Was there ever a point in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now? Maybe you've, um, like me, you've, you've tried to do some boogie boarding or some body surfing at some point in the ocean. Has anybody ever done that? Anybody ever tried that out? Uh, and and what, what you may have experienced, what I've experienced is that you might be out there and, and you're you're body surfing on some waves, you know, or you're, maybe you're floating around on a raft or, or playing with the kids or whatever out in the ocean. And after a little while, you look up and, and uh, you look back to the shore to, to find your stuff or to find your family. And for some reason, it's not there. And you start going, well, wh- where's my, where did my family go? You know, wh- why did they, why did they leave me? And of course, the, the reality is that they didn't get up and leave you. Your, your stuff didn't go anywhere. The reality is that you've been drifting with the current, right? You're the one who's moved, not your stuff or not your family. And I, and I want to tell you this morning that if, if you sense that you are not as close to God as you once were, He has not moved. God has not moved. You have simply drifted. And this morning you came because you wanted to find out how you could wreck your life, right? I don't want to disappoint you. We are going to talk about how you could wreck your life, um, how you could specifically, how you could lose your faith. Um, Satan wants to destroy your faith. So you have a lot of help in this area of drifting uh, it, it, you, you've got Satan working full time, and, and it's what he's been doing since the beginning. Since the Garden of Eden, he has been working to cause people to drift from God. It says in 2 Corinthians 11.3, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray. From a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So the faith is, is, you know, it's so easy to drift from if you aren't being intentional. Unless you are thinking about what you need to do in order to, to stay close to the Lord. Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. See, the world around us, there's a current. And, and we're all in it. 
And, and, and so unless we are actively working to go against the current, to stay close to the Lord, we'll drift. It's, this is the default for us, is to drift from God. That's our default. So if we do nothing, we drift. And this morning, you may find that you all of a sudden look up and you've drifted. And you're, you're far from God. And you're realizing that there was a time in your life that you were more passionate about the Lord, more passionate about His Word, more excited to worship Him, more excited to share the good news with others. If that's you, I, I want us to pray that, that God would do a work this morning, that, that in the next 30 minutes or 40 minutes, however long, that God would do a work and, and that we wouldn't leave here in the same place that we are right now. So, so right now, pray with me and let's ask God to do something in our hearts. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this family. I thank you um, for each and every person that's here this morning whether they are a part of of this family of Valley Town or whether they are our guests this morning and they're just here checking it out, I thank you that you've brought each individual here for a specific reason. And God, right now, I just ask that if, if for those of us who are here who have drifted, we find ourselves far from you and, and we're recognizing that right now, I ask that you would do a powerful and miraculous work in, in bringing us back into close relationship with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to give you step-by-step instructions to how you can lose your faith. And this is the first step, okay? Step one to losing your faith is to take your eyes off of Jesus. Take your eyes off of him. Don't don't think about Jesus. Don't don't focus on what he has done for you. Don't don't spend time with him. Don't don't talk to him. If you do that, you'll be well on your way to wrecking your life. Well on your way to losing your faith. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the founder of your faith. And he is the perfecter of your faith. In other words, you still need him. He's not just the doorway to step into this thing. He is the perfecter of your faith. He is the beginning and the end. He is what you need, who you need every moment of every day. And he says there's a race to be be run here. The writer of Hebrews says, 
We've got a race, and we need to run it with endurance. But we need to do that looking to Jesus, the one who originated our faith, the one who started this thing for us, and who's going to carry it to completion, the one who's going to perfect it. He's the one we need. He's the one we've got to rely on. If we're going to run this race well, if we're going to run it with endurance, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is our life source. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And unless you remain in me, you won't bear any fruit. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He is the life source. We need to keep our eyes on him. We've got to keep our eyes on him. So how do we do that? Well, first and foremost, spend time with him every day. Spend time with Jesus. This is a relationship, guys. So what do you got to do in a relationship to keep a relationship healthy? You got to spend time together. You got to talk. And so you need to talk to him and you need to hear from him through his word. Set aside some time. Set aside a a special place in your house where you meet with Jesus. If you've got to, set up another chair, a second chair, and, and picture Jesus sitting there waiting for you. But, but the point is, have, have some time set aside to spend with Jesus in his word. Let him speak to you. Let him teach you. Let him direct you. Let him encourage you. And, and share your heart with him. Ask him to do work in your life. Ask him to mold you. Spend time with him every day. And then, and then speak to him all throughout your day. You know, while you're working, while you're driving down the road, talk to him. When you're blowing the leaves, talk to Jesus. In a couple months when you're shoveling snow, talk to Jesus. Talk to him throughout your day. Include him. He's your life source. So it's not not like we we need to just compartmentalize him. Well, I spend my time in the morning with him, and, and 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 then Sundays in the morning, that's reserved for Jesus. No, he wants to, he wants to energize your life. He wants to live his life through you. And so, so be in constant conversation with him and rely on him every moment. Recognize your need for him. Recognize that apart from him, you can do nothing. And so with every decision that you make, whether it's, it seems like an insignificant one or not, talk to Jesus about it. Rely on him. Depend on him. That's what it means to abide in the vine. That's what it means to live your life with him. If you realize that, that right now you, you're going, you know what, I have drifted. I, you know, just as we're sitting here, I'm realizing that I have drifted. There is grace for you. Okay, there, there's not, you don't, you don't have to work your way back to get to Jesus. You get that, right? You don't have to, there's not going to be days and weeks and months of you 
getting back in, in right relationship with him. That's not how this works. Jesus, he's purchased your way into right relationship with God. And he, he lived a perfect life so that, so that you could be credited with his righteousness. And so right now, all that's required is that you turn back and come back to him. The second step that you could take to lose your faith is that you could believe wrong stuff. You could believe bad doctrine. And there's plenty of it out there. There's a lot of it out there. Um, With a single Google search, you could have access to 10,000 false teachers. (laughs) You... You could spend countless hours just watching random YouTube videos of preachers you have no idea who they are, whether or not they're trustworthy. You could read article after article after article and fill your head full of stuff. And I'll tell you, a great place to get your theology is Facebook. (laughs) You can go on there and you can learn all kinds of false stuff about God. (laughs) Right? So... Here's the deal, guys. What we believe is really important. And if we believe false stuff about God, then what we do is we create a God out of all, this, all these lies, and we're not even worshiping God anymore. We're, we've created a God to suit ourselves. And so maybe you don't know, well, who is trustworthy? Who can I trust? That's one of the reasons that we have a resource center. We don't make any money off of the books that we sell here. We have a resource center because we want to introduce some trustworthy authors, some trustworthy teachers. But, but know who you're learning from. Know, know where you're getting the information. Don't just believe whatever article comes up. Don't just type a question into Google search and expect it to come back with necessarily the right information. There are so many... There are so many false ideas running around out there. Um, And and we've got to know what we believe in order to guard ourselves from drifting. In John 18, 37, Jesus says, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Jesus boils his entire ministry down to this one statement here as he's talking to Pilate. He says, this is the reason that I was born. The reason that I came into the world is to bear witness to the truth. See, from the beginning of time, there has been this battle. Ever since Satan came into the garden, there's this, there's this, this battle of what is true and what is a lie. And Jesus came to set the record straight once and for all, to bear witness, to testify to what is actually true. It's very important that we know the truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The responsibility falls on us. We need to know how to handle this book. And I know that it can be intimidating when you're starting out. Pick a book. Pick the book of John 
are the book of Matthew and read it from beginning to end. Begin to read the Bible and to learn it. Because you are responsible for knowing what it says. The responsibility falls on us. Be careful what you believe. You'll hear out there that that people are inherently good. That's just not true. The Bible says that we are fallen. That we are born in sin. We are not good at the core. We need Jesus. If we were good at the core, we wouldn't need him. Be careful what you believe. There are people out there who say, Jehovah's Witnesses say, that Jesus is an angel. That he was created. That's false. That is not true. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and he was not created, and he has been from eternity past, and he will continue on into eternity future. He is God. That's who Jesus is. And it's important that we know that, that we're grounded in that, that we don't, that we don't believe the, the lies that we hear. There are people who will say that hell is a figurative place, that when people die apart from Christ, they just cease to exist. That's not true, guys. Hell is a real, literal place. And if people die apart from Christ, they will literally go there and they will be in torment for eternity. And that's a sobering thing. But that is the truth. And when we know that, when we believe that, that motivates us to go and to tell people about this good news. Because this good news means they don't have to go there. They don't have to pay for their sins for eternity. There is one who paid for their sins. Who made a way for them. Who paved the way for them to be forgiven. Who took the wrath for their sins on himself. There are those who will say that we need to earn our way into God's favor. That we are saved maybe by faith and works. And that's just not true. We are saved by grace through faith, period. And works are simply the natural result of a life that's been changed by Jesus. Our works are simply credited to Jesus living his life through us. Know what is true. Don't believe whatever you hear. Study and have good doctrine or else you will be setting yourself up to lose your faith. Acts 17, 10 through 11 says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble Then those in Thessalonica, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. When you hear something, even when I say it, go to the word and test it. See if it's true. See if it's so. Test what you hear 
by this book. I'm not the authority. This book is the authority. Go to the word and see if it's so. Let this book be your authority. The third step that you can take to lose your faith is to hold on to your sin. Cling to it. Don't let go of it. Maybe let go of some, but, but then choose some others that you're not going to let go of. You know, hold on to them tightly. Decide that it's okay because Jesus died for me, right? And, and don't worry about repenting of all of your sin. And if you do that, you will be well on your way to lose your faith. Did you catch the beginning of that passage that we read in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2? It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I don't know if anybody in here is a runner, um, but if you try and run with weights on your back, it slows you down. This, I don't think you've got to be a runner to, to realize that, right? If we put weight on our back and then try and run, we aren't as efficient. And, and what he's saying is that sin is like weights on your back. You're trying to run a race and you are putting weight on your back as you run. And I love how he says this. He, he intentionally says, lay it aside. I, that language, here's the deal. You, you just, you just got to lay it aside. Because Jesus has already purchased your freedom from that sin. The Bible says that sin has no dominion over you. That you are no longer a slave to sin if you're in Christ. And so all you have to do is lay it aside. There's not a, there's not, you know, step, you don't have to take all these steps to get, no, you, if there's sin, you're holding on to it. So just lay it aside. Just let it go. Just put it aside because you have an important race to run. You're set free by Jesus. So don't hold on to it. Don't let it weigh you down. He says, you've got to run this race with endurance. So don't do things that, that ruin that. How is it that if, if our sin is taken care of on the cross, if Jesus paid for that, if, if he purchased our freedom, if, he, if we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace through faith, then, then, then why does this really matter? What, what if I choose to just hold on to one or two sins that, that I don't want to get rid of? Why does that really matter? Well, in 1 Timothy 18 through 19, um, Paul says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. Then he says, By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Some have destroyed 
their faith. A shipwreck isn't a good thing. They, they, they've, they've destroyed their faith by rejecting faith in a good conscience. You see, your faith is everything in your relationship to God. You are justified by faith. You relate to God by faith. It's everything. And so if Satan can destroy your faith in, in what Jesus has done for you, then he destroys your relationship with God. If you, can't, if you don't believe that your sins are washed away, that Jesus has paid for them, that, that you are forgiven, that you are adopted into his family, then Satan can destroy your faith. See, a good conscience is crucial to our confidence before God. And, and when we hold on to sin, what happens is we start to doubt. See, shame creeps in, and we start to question, can God really forgive me? I, I just, I don't, I don't know. And we start to question whether or not God really loves us, and we start to hide from God like Adam in the garden. And we stop praying. We, we feel like we, God doesn't want to hear from me. I've got this sin in my life. We stop going to His Word. There's an old saying, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. We, so we start, to, we start to drift. And because we haven't dealt with our sin, we haven't taken it to the Lord and confessed it to Him, trusted that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We haven't, because we haven't done that, we, our conscience becomes defiled, become overcome with shame, and we begin to lose our faith. Our faith becomes shipwrecked. So if you want to be sure to lose your faith, hold on to your sin. The fourth thing is neglect your church family. Don't make it a priority to be here every week. And, and you know, don't worry about being disciple. Don't worry about being in a huddle or, or being a part of missional community. Neglect your church family. And if you have to be here, then at least fake it. Come and just, you know, just sprinkle in a lot of good, you know, hallelujahs and amens and, and just convince everybody that everything's going well. You can neglect your church family and still be here. Just don't be real with anybody. And you'll be well on your way to losing your faith. You see, the, this family is important. The church is important. God has established the church because we need each other. We need each other. We will fizzle without each other. We need to be encouraged by each other. We need the accountability of our family. It says in Hebrews 10, 24-25, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know we are closer now than ever before to the day that he is returning. I know that. So, I, I'm convinced that it's, it's probably going to be soon. I don't know. But anyway, the point is we need to encourage one another every day. We need this family. And, th- and that doesn't just mean that you show up and sit here and, you know, and then leave. And, and that's, not, that's not being a part of the family. There's a reason that we have three streams of ministry here. The gatherings, the huddles, and the missional communities. Because we need more than just one time a week together. We need to go deeper together. We need to be knit together as a family. All right, and the fifth thing, and I'm going to go on a tangent on this one, is um, if you want to drift, if you want to lose your faith, the fifth thing that you can do is get really, really busy. I mean, say yes to everything. Um, just take it all on. And, and yes, you can handle it. Yeah, just do it all. You just keep saying yes. And don't worry about, you know, having too much stuff on your plate. It'll spill over on the sides. Say yes to everything. Do it all. And fill your time in between with Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, make sure that you have absolutely no free time. Never take a day off. Never take a Sabbath. And you will be well on your way to losing your faith. I heard a preacher once say that busyness equals barrenness. When you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus took time to get away alone and to be with the Father in prayer and to hear from Him and to be filled. Jesus. Nobody was ever more important than Jesus. No one ever accomplished more than Jesus. No one. And yet, he set aside time to be alone, to be in solitude, to be with his Father. Don't buy the lie that you are so important that you cannot set aside time to be alone. Ultimately, here's the, here's the I think, the root lie is that you are God. That the world needs you to keep going. But it's just not true. And I I believe that's why God established Sabbath rest. A day to, to rest. A day to stop working. And to know that He is God. And He is in control. And the world is going to keep Going without me. See, busyness 
will absolutely suck you dry. Jesus gives this parable of the soils. And he says that seed is scattered out and some of the seed lands on rocky soil. Some's trampled underfoot. Some lands on rocky soil. Some lands on good soil. And some lands in the thorns. And it goes down into the soil. The, the, the seed is God's word. And it goes down into the soil and it actually grows. The word of God is producing change. But it's growing along with thorns that eventually choke it out. And then he goes on to explain. He says, you know what these thorns are? Is they're the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. You might be experiencing some change. God's word is producing change in your life, but you're so busy. You've taken on so much that along with that change, there's also all these other pressures, all these other things pulling you in every single direction. And you've got no time, no time. And eventually what's going to happen if you aren't careful is that those Those thorns are going to choke out what God is doing in your life. Busyness is absolutely destructive to our faith. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Some of you this morning, you feel a heavy burden. And I just want to say that that is not from God. That, that busyness, you are not a victim of your busyness. What we tend to believe is that we are a victim of all these things happening to us. But the reality is we are responsible for our own schedules, for what we have allowed in, for what we have said yes to. We aren't a victim. Everyone has the same 24 hours in their day. Everyone. And we've all got a lot of stuff to manage, I know. But we've got to learn how to say no to some stuff. And, the, and here's, here's what I believe is the, the trick to that. Realize that when you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. When you say yes to going and doing that thing on Saturday, you are saying no to being with your kids on Saturday. When you say yes to taking another job, you are saying no to being in a good mood when you get home. (laughs) Right? When you say yes to, to going and doing that thing late on Saturday night, you're probably saying no to getting up and being here on Sunday morning. For every yes that you say, you are saying no to something else. And when you realize that, it will empower you to say no to some things. 
I feel sometimes like I am being a Nazi, and I am telling people no all the time on the weekends because I want to guard my time with my family. I want to guard it. I want to be so careful because they are my priority. So if I've told you no, I'm sorry. This is the reason. It's because they are more important than you. We have got to learn to say no because otherwise we will feel like we're drowning. And you know what will get left behind? Reading your Bible, going to missional community, getting alone and praying. So, guys, busyness equals barrenness. There's a story in Luke 10. I'm just going to read it really quick. 38 through 42. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha had good intentions. She wanted to serve. She wanted to serve Jesus. She wasn't choosing bad things. She was just choosing, she wasn't choosing the best thing. She was serving, right? I mean, this isn't for her, I'm serving. Tell Mary to get up and help me. And Jesus says, oh, you're so anxious and worried and troubled. And your sister is doing the one thing that's necessary. She's sitting at my feet. She's listening. That's it. It's the one thing that's necessary, that we sit at Jesus' feet. So you may have some good things that you're doing in your schedule. You are going to have to drop them because they're not the best thing. You may have some things that you're doing that, you know, it feels necessary. You're going to have to let it go. You need to pray through your schedule and all the things on your plate and let go of some of it so that you can do the best thing. You can spend time with Jesus. You can prioritize and spend time with your family. You can make time for your church family. Now, some of you this morning, you're realizing just as we go through these things that you've, you've been doing some of these things and, and you've drifted from the Lord. Some of you are sitting here and you are shaking this off. You you've just you've you've become a pro at sitting in here and nodding but actually shaking off everything that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in you. You become an expert 
at hardening your heart to what he is saying. But others of you, this seed is going down into good soil. You're hearing this and, and you're, you can't wait for me to shut up so you can get on your knees before God and deal with this stuff. And I want to talk to you. God is ready and waiting with open arms and he is not mad at you. He is not upset. He loves you. And he's ready for you to come back. I mean, right now. You don't have to do anything to make things right. Jesus made things right. Once and for all. And he just wants you to come back just to return to him. And maybe you're here this morning and you realize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you, you realize that just as you hear the word that you don't know him really. And here's the deal. Jesus, he paved the way for you to have a relationship with God. We are all sinners. We have all rebelled against God. We have all gone our own way. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And he died the death that we deserve. And he took the wrath of God upon himself. And everyone who puts their faith in him, who puts their trust in him, can be forgiven. Can be in right standing with God. By grace through faith. And if you're here this morning, and that's you, and, and you, you realize, like, I, I, I need him. I've, I've been believing that maybe that I was a Christian. I don't know, but I know I need him and that I haven't known him, and I want to know him, and I want to be forgiven. I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to make a bold statement right now, if that's you. If you said, I want, to, I want to know Jesus, I believe the gospel, I believe this gospel, this good news that you're saying, I want to know him, I want to walk with him, we want to help you. I'm going to ask you to do something bold and stand up right now. Others of you, if you are here and you've said, you know what, I've been drifting. I, I've realized this morning that I'm looking back up at the shore and I am a long way from him. And I want to come back. I want to come back right now. I, I, I want to run to him if that's you. And, and you've got things that you need to repent of. That you need to lay down then just as as a bold step of faith toward that toward crushing your pride just stand up right now all right the rest of us let's um if you're seated just stand up and let's let's just place let's lay hands on everybody that's standing and let's Let's just take a moment to pray right now for everyone that's, that's said, 
you know, I want, I want to return to God or I want to know him for the first time right now. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this room. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. In, in many hearts, you are bringing under conviction and you want a relationship with us, Lord. I pray for each person who said, I want to know Jesus. I realize that I do not know him and I want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to lay down all the sin and the weights that cling so closely. And I want to run this race with endurance. Holy Spirit, do a lasting, a permanent work in hearts this morning. And for, for those of, of us who say, you know, I've drifted. I'm tired of drifting. And, I, and I'm, ready to, I'm ready to make changes. I'm ready to come back to you right now. God, would you just let them feel how much you love them and that you are, you are ready to welcome them home. God, and would you give us the, the courage and the strength to make the changes in our lives, to make sure that we are keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. We're spending time in your word. That we're not neglecting our church family, that we are repenting of sin and that we aren't letting the cares of this world choke out the work that you're doing in our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.